Hello, hello. Good afternoon, golf fans. Um, doing something a little bit new today. I am uh, Mr. Jack Humphrey KM on Twitter. You can find me there. So, going to be taking a look at the Live Golf event, the first Live Golf event that's coming up on June the 9th at Centurion Golf Club in London. Um, I am today joined by another golf fanatic like myself, Mr. Tom Mitchum. How are you doing, sir? Yes, good, Jack. Thank you. Yeah, all good. Uh, excited to talk something a little bit different. Uh, obviously, we, we're both kind of invested in golf and in sports in our day jobs, but this is something brand new. So, yeah, good to go over a new topic. Uh, excited to do so. It's certainly a um, it's certainly something new, definitely. And uh, it's getting a lot of people talking within the golfing world at the minute, uh, this new proposed Live Golf event. Definitely, yeah. And it's probably worth touching on why we're doing this effectively. So what we don't want to do with this podcast is talk about kind of the political side of things or debates over waivers from the PGA Tour and all that good stuff. You know, you, you can hear about all that kind of thing on a million different podcasts out there. What we want to try and do is actually focus on the golf itself. This is a an exciting new concept or potentially exciting and we really want to focus on that. So let's talk about the golf that's going to be played. We may find out in a month's time that it's a, it's a bust and the golf isn't interesting and the tour falls apart and it's all a mess, but we will see. So we, we want to give it a chance, look, preview and talk about the golf itself, the events that are coming up, the new formats, etc. And uh, yeah, just have some fun with it. No, definitely. And um, as I say, as massive golf fans ourselves, um, this I, I am very much looking forward to it. Um, as you say, we're not going to get into the political side of things. I I think change is good for golf. I, I think it needs a change. I think it needs a new, fresh of life, so to speak, within the game. Um, I and I, I think it's good for the game personally. So, like you say, it might fall flat on its ears. Um, we don't know. There's been, as we say, the PGA Tour have not allowed their players to come play this event, so to speak um on june the 9th but we will see we'll see how it goes um but first of all what is live golf tom what is it explain to our listeners yes yeah, so i'll give the really basic version for anyone who has uh, has been hiding under a rock in recent weeks so live golf effectively is a uh, a new organization that are looking to run their own golf tour for want of a better word so they are being headed up by Greg Norman, who is uh, their CEO. So he is a former world number one golfer, very controversial figure over the years, but certainly a, a, a great player, course designer, uh, makes some nice clothes as well under his Shark brand. So, yeah, he's heading it up. It is funded um, through the, the Saudi Public Fund, which you can hear far more about elsewhere. But yeah, they're, they're effectively looking to create their own tour as a um, an opportunity for players, an alternative to the status quo, which is ultimately the PGA Tour, but also the DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, and all the, the other mini tours out there. Uh, Live Golf are trying to do something very different and disruptive in this space, um, and we'll go into the detail around that and why we think that they're definitely going to do some exciting things. No, definitely. And as you say, the, the concept of it is all 
different. It's totally different to what you'll see on the PGA Tour, the DP Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, anything like that. It's totally different. Um, it's essentially a season that's played over eight events this year. I, I do believe that they're going to increase that from memory over the next couple of years. That that was the plan. I think it was, I think yeah. it was ten next year, and then they want to go up to twelve. And um, it's played all over the world, so it's going to be played in America, the UK, Thailand, Saudi Arabia. Of course, it is backed by Saudi Arabia. Um, there's 48 players within this concept that they're going to be doing. Uh, there's going to be 12 teams as well. So we're going to get a bit of a Formula One feel. And the, the, these teams are not players deciding who they want to play with either, is it? It's, it's, there's going to be a draft within this. So you can't have Bubba Watson teaming up with his best mate, Harold Varner, for example. Um, it's, there's going to be a draft. So you, essentially, you could have some fireworks here. You could get two players that don't like each other teaming up, for example, um, which would be, it would make for an interesting watch, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I guess we can, let's walk down kind of the, the Live Golf site and, and go through some of these concepts yeah. that they're going to be running. So, uh, yeah, as Jack says, 12 teams, so 12 teams of four golfers. The teams will be selected via a snake draft format, and I believe Liv's plan is to kind of make that an event in itself, uh, the the draft, be that on a, a televised broadcast or on their socials, however they want to do it. But yeah, ultimately, they're inviting 48 players to play and be broken up into these 12 teams. My understanding is each of these teams will have a team captain, which will presumably be a very uh, well-known player, depending on the, the level of players that they manage to attract. So Straight away there, we've got something different, haven't we? We've got, uh, it is both individual and team golf at the same time. Obviously, as uh, being from the UK, we are big fans of the Ryder Cup. We love that team format. So, yeah, it'll be, be very interesting to see how they handle that one. Because the even the European Ryder Cup team, right, it's a, it's a gaggle of 12 players who happen to come from the same continent it's it's not like they're all best mates so it it does have kind of a similar feel and and we see the crowd reactions and the tv audience when you get into Ryder Cup so it'll be interesting to see whether Liv can capture the same kind of um support via that team format no, definitely. And um, something else new about this, so, so with the PGA Tour, obviously most events on the PGA Tour are played over four rounds. Um, you'll often see me ranting about Mr. Rory McIlroy, who can't play for four rounds, it seems, at the minute, um, on the weekly podcast that I do for golf. But here, it's different. It's it's going to be played over 54 rounds, uh, 54 holes, sorry, and um, which is three rounds, and there's no cut. So... Straight away, that's a totally different element. You could have your bad round, couldn't you? And then, you know, you could be like Mr. Rory McIlroy, have your bad round and then come absolutely flying back over the next couple of rounds. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, definitely. I, I do like, or I, I don't hate the move to 54 holes. I think potentially it can capture a wider audience with kind of the shorter format we we see it in cricket for example which is a big sport here used to be all about four day matches and five day test matches then the game started to move into kind of the one day um concept in uh, i believe the 1970s then at the turn of this century we shortened cricket even further to t20 
There's even now T10 tournaments in the Caribbean and so forth. So th there are other sports that are kind of taking this approach of still offering the traditional long format, but also breaking off into shorter formats. And with kind of the way that w the world works now, with so many distractions and so many different ways to entertain yourself and taking content, I think it is something that potentially all sports do need to look at. And yeah, moving to 54 holes kind of feels okay. The one thing, and, and it's probably worth saying, you know, we're doing this podcast off our own backs because we're interested in a new golf product here. We have no affiliation with Live Golf. We uh, So we are going to be um, objective here. And I will say that the first thing that I potentially don't like is the, the lack of cut. But that's maybe just coming from a um, betting and a DFS background. In DFS, one of the daily fantasy sports, one of the, the best things about event-long golf fantasy is the cut sweat. You know that you need all six of your players on DraftKings, for example, or fan team where, where I work. You need all your six players to make the cut to be in with a chance of the big prizes. So in a typical event on a Friday night, you have an exciting cut sweat, hoping that your players make the weekend. And then on Sunday, you have the further sweat of the actual final leaderboard. So the lack of that cut potentially could um, hamper this a little bit. But then on the flip side of that, you have got the team element. So even if a player is 20 shots off the lead after two days where normally he'd be cut, he will still be relevant because he's still contributing to his team. So um the, the team factor kind of mitigates that a little bit, but I, I do think the lack of a cut isn't isn't ideal, potentially, but we'll see. No, definitely. I, I do kind of agree with that with the lack of cut. I, I, I enjoy the cut sweat, as you say, on, on a Friday. Um not going to enjoy it too much this week on the regular PGA Tour, but um, that's a different matter altogether. But... Um, at, you briefly mentioned the team event there. So the team event is where the scoring gets a bit more exciting. So this is just an extract off the LiveGolf website. Over the first two rounds, the best two stroke play scores will count for each team. Uh, for the third and final round, the best three scores will count with the lowest overall team score after 54 holes being named the team winner. So we've got that team element, like you say. It, it, I suppose it's, it brings a bit like the Formula One constructors element into golf, doesn't it? It's, um, it's an exciting yeah. prospect there. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do think the fact that all the players can contribute across all three rounds in that kind of best ball format as it is for the first two rounds and then everyone counts in the third round, it does mean that every player matters and every player has to kind of stay engaged um, with obviously the financial incentive on offer here. And we haven't talked about the, the huge money that these players are playing for. So, yeah, I, I really do like that element to it um i i having played kind of yellow ball competitions and, and the like in the past where it can be say a four-man team where two of you count on each hole the best two scores but then on each par three all of you count that added pressure which these guys are going to feel in that final round where every shot they take contributes to their team score i think that's a really clever format again kind of leaning into traditional casual golf where you have you have um team events with stuff like yellow ball and scrambles and the like i think it's it's really clever that they've kind of leaned into that um what what do you make of the 
the eight event season, Jack, in terms of like the length and um, how do you feel about that? Because obviously it's very different to what we see on, on the PGA Tour. Yeah, it's very different. I, I actually don't mind it to start with. I, I, I'm one of these people that I think you always start off small with something and then build it up as it goes along. Um, and I, I certainly think there's the potential to do that with this. So I don't mind them starting with the eight events. Obviously, it starts on June the 9th, doesn't it, in London? And then it ends in Miami in on October the 27th. Uh, October the 30th, sorry, it ends there. So, yeah, I don't... Um, I don't mind the eight the eight event season. Um, I again, I, I think it's something that they can grow over time. Yeah, yeah, very much agree. I I do feel I I don't know if especially this year I'm feeling it that the PGA Tour season obviously just kind of rattles on almost year round. Uh, there's a couple of months break, but it, it kind of feels year round at times, and we do just get into stretches where golf fanatics like us are still entertained by the fact that you have like Wells Fargo and the Mexico open and this week's event all back to back, but to a, to a casual, and I see this on, on the site that I work for, we do see a drop off where you have a kind of row of less prestigious events and obviously live, have the benefit that they're not going to have that. They don't need to fill an event slot every single week. So yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how the eight event season goes. I I do think a possible issue, if they're not going to attract the same players to each event, because they have said you can play one event, you can play five, you can play all eight, whatever you want to do. I think the more players that play the majority of the events, the better. So there is some yeah. continuity there and it feels like a tour. Uh, so that's going to be something that's really interesting to see how that works out. No, definitely. Um, let's take a look at the events quickly. We'll just run them down. So the first event, like we've mentioned, starts on June the 9th in London at the Centurion Golf Club. Um, I'm going to try and get tickets for that. And I, I am very intrigued as an avid golf fan. I, you know, I, I want to go and watch golf. And, you know, some of the golfers that have been mentioned, I'm more than happy to go and pay to watch them play at London Centurion. That'd be a great event. The second event's out there in Portland um, at the Ghost Creek, I believe. Oh no, that's the it's at Pumpkin Pumpkin Ridge. Um, yeah. Then we've got Bedminster um, at the Trump National Golf Club. I'm not surprised Trump's involved mm -hmm. in this. Um, Boston at the Greater Boston Golf Club. Uh, Golf Club. Chicago at Rich Harvest Farms, and then we move to Bangkok, uh, and then we go back to Jeddah. And is that the same event, the same golf course? Do you know Tom um, that they played on the other week? The other month, really. Sorry, um, uh, I actually have no idea if I'm honest. At the Royal Greens Golf Course, because there was actually some. Yeah, it is, it is exactly the same golf course. It's um on the Red Sea. I remember watching bits and pieces of it, and it's absolutely stunning to watch where it is the location. Um, nice golf course as well. And then the last event, obviously, is in Miami, at the Trump National Doral. Um, so. We've got they're the events there. I mean, the London one stands out for obvious reasons as being guys in the UK and Centurions are very, very nice golf course as well. Um any others that are sort of standing out for you within that schedule there, Tom, that you like the looks of? I mean, Portland is also a standout one. I quite like the looks of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh yeah, I'm gutted that I can't even consider making it to the London one. Um, I'm coming back from a uh 
gentleman's trip to Las Vegas the day before. Um, and then I've also got childcare duties on the first day I get back from Vegas. Um, that's kind of my punishment for going to Vegas in the first place. So, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't make it, but I definitely want to try and make it to one in the near future. Um, I think what stands out for me, again, a potential little negative is the connotation of um, being associated with Trump here. Uh, there's two Trump courses involved. Obviously, the PGA Tour has moved away from using Doral, even though it is a course that I've always uh, enjoyed watching on the PGA Tour. So it'll be interesting to see how how that impacts things. Um, the The event in Bangkok will be very interesting at Stonehill because it is pretty much a, a brand new course. I mean, even on the Live Golf site, there's kind of a picture from each course. And then the Bangkok yeah. one, it looks like it's got kind of an artist's impression. It's that new. Um, so, yeah, I'm re really interested to see how that course looks. And um, I haven't seen anything of Royal Greens in, in Jeddah, um, which obviously you have. So, yeah, it sounds like a stunning place. It'll be very interesting to see that one as well. But it's, it's just nice. There's there's a nice little selection here of, of courses I'm slightly familiar with, but then some I'm not at all. I mean, um, courses like Bedminster that are in the top 100 courses in the world, so obviously uh, are very highly rated in the game. I've never seen that course in my life. So, yeah, there's, some, there's a lot of interest there, definitely. It's great to see they've not just gone with eight traditional sort of lower tier PGA Tour and European Tour courses. So, yeah, I, I like it. The one thing I want from it, I actually just want to see a challenge with these golf courses as well. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'll be very, very vocal next week um, on the podcast I do with Nick and Mark, but I, I'm, I'm not in for these high scoring events. I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't mind like low scores, but like, I mean, just seeing like what we're seeing this week, I, I, I just can't stand it. Coming from the Wells Fargo to the Byron yeah. Nelson, where you've got someone winning at like seven under, and then you're probably the potential this week. I, I, just, I, I think we're going to get in like the high thirties. I, I can just see it. The golf, <laughs> from what I've seen today, like already, it just I can see that happening. Um, and I just don't, I don't enjoy watching golf like that. Um, I, and but at the same time, I don't want it to be too hard. I don't want what we had at the Players' Championship. Um, where we had all that wind where it's just impossible to play um i i want it to be a challenge and that's the kind of thing i want from this i want all of these golf courses to challenge the golfers that are going to come and play and that leads us nicely into the proposed players tom um yeah. we've all heard a few names of some of the older guys lee lee westwood phil mickelson bubba watson or all itching to play this event apparently this tour um and then there's some other guys jason kokrak i mean he's he's publicly come out and said that he's playing it for the money which <laughs> fair play to him um i don't i have nothing against him for doing that either um and kevin Nars, another one there's you know there's a couple of players there who's who's standing out for you with the proposed players that you've that have been mentioned yeah, so I've tried to have a look at, so I believe Greg Norman has said that six of the top 50 have definitely shown an interest in playing and 19 of the world's top 100. So I've tried to take a look at kind of the top 50 in the world and have a bit of a guess. And as you say, some are heavily rumoured or, or have pretty much said that they're coming um, in certain ways, like like Sergio Garcia did in a, in a slightly unconventional way. Um 
Yeah. So I I think we have to kind of rule out like the top 10 or so players in the world. I just at this stage, even though there is crazy money here, I don't think it's worth it for those guys to come. Obviously, potentially someone like Rory or John Ram burning a bridge with the PGA Tour, potentially losing sponsors, um, losing kind of uh, the, the viewing public sentiment, losing potentially losing big corporate gigs that I'm sure they make plenty of money from and can for like the next 30 years. I just don't think ultimately, despite the money on offer, that it's really worth it for those guys. I think the first place I kind of landed when I when I was looking at potential players is probably 15 in the world, which is Louis Oosthuizen. Um, I think him and Kevin Nah are in a similar bracket where I could just see them liking the idea of of having a tour where they can make a lot of money playing very few events. They they have very well publicised injury issues. Um, Louis and Kevin Nah are both. Uh, well-known for dropping out of, of tournaments halfway through and burning DFS lineups, as does someone like Jason Day. So I, I do think just from a health point of view, potentially, those guys could be ones to look at. Um, as you yeah, say, so, yeah, we, sorry, go on. I was going to say, we were on similar lines with and He was the first. I, I worked my way down the world rankings list and, you know, Greg Norman come out, made them comments. Um, and Louis Eustazen was the first player that come into my mind that, I had a few others there. Jason Kokrak, who's publicly come out and said yeah. he's, he's playing for the money. So fair play to him. Uh, Kevin Nahr. I did have Harold Varner because he did play. He won the Saudi event earlier in the year. Um, Bubba Watson's mate. We know Bubba's shown interest in playing this. Um, and then I moved to Adam Scott and Sergio Garcia. So I think that's kind of where I'm sat within the top 50 players that mm. are looking to play it. Um, like you say, there's a lot, a lot of money involved in this. And I mean, Greg Norman come out the other day, didn't he? And said like they're, they're not allowing the PJ Tour are not allowing players to come and play this, but we'll pay the fines. We don't care. So, um, yeah. hey, hey, like you say, it's the mindset of these players, isn't it? What have they got to lose? Like someone like Louis Estes, and what has he got to lose at this stage of his career with the injuries mm -hmm. that he's picked up? Um, but yeah, that's where I was sort of set within the top fifty players. Yeah, I've, I I had a few more suggestions i mean they're kind of they kind of feel like an obvious four that could be up for it um yeah. i i think other options you've got kind of uh australians that have snuck into the world top 50 recently so you've got minwoo lee and uh lucas herbert i think play a fairly kind of itinerant schedule already where they kind of fly out here there and everywhere playing i would say the same about thomas peters potentially um, and obviously he is kind of box office. He'd be a great one to get um, <laughs> yeah. for this kind of thing, having to try and fit into a team. Um, so that there are three guys I could see. And then the two kind of left field picks I considered. Um, Seamus Power is now in the top 50. Obviously made a, a lot of money on the PGA Tour in the last year. But prior to that was a bit of a journeyman and he's not that young. So I could see someone like Seamus Power being tempted. Um and then Paul Casey was the final one I wrote down. Um, it, he's a difficult guy to gauge sometimes, is Paul Casey. He's, he's a very kind of, you know, he's a, he's a very bespoke individual. And, um, yeah, it's it's hard to know his motivations and his thoughts on these things at times. So I, he, he could be one that surprises people by popping up as well, I think. 
we had them comments a few years ago, didn't he, in regards to the Ryder Cup. I, I believe at the time you had to play so many European Tour events. And he said he's, yeah. he basically just said he's got no interest in playing the European Tour. Um, so he just literally stayed in America. And I, I, I think he was quite high in the world at the time as well. So he would have got into that Ryder Cup team that year. And um, basically, yeah. because he didn't come and play, it wasn't even a lot of events. I think it was like four European Tour events. Because he didn't come and play four European Tour events, that was it. He was out of it like he, he couldn't play in that year's Ryder Cup and like you say he can be a, he's an odd character at times Paul Casey he can get like that mm. and he, I could certainly see him signing up for something like this yeah I, th I think then when we drop down to kind of 50 to 100 there starts being a lot more obvious names from a kind of um more European point of view so Someone like Richard Bland, Lee Westwood, potentially Ian Poulter, although you never know with Poulter because he, he does love the Ryder Cup so much. Like, could he see it as a detriment to his chances of, of being a Ryder Cup captain soon? But I think there's there's quite a lot of players between 50 and 100 in the world where you kind of think the money that they could earn playing these events compared to what they do earn currently on, on the DP World Tour or for guys like, Kanaya Hoshino, Ju Young Kim, Burmese, uh, you know, um, Kinoshita, some of these guys who play kind of the Japanese or the Korean tours, the money involved here compared to what they used to is night and day. So I could see some of those popping up, which I think could give us a really kind of a really good international melting pot of players. Um, and, and I do think that's a point to kind of harp on a little bit in that the PGA Tour, although it's, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan and proponent of the PGA Tour, but ultimately you do have probably 80 to 100 to a casual audience of kind of American creator players. You know, there's not, to a casual golf fan, there's not much difference, right, between um, Tom Hoagie, Wyndham Clark, Danny McCarthy, even someone like Brant Snedeker, you know, to, to a relatively casual golf fan, there's not much to choose between them and they don't get enough TV time. They're never getting interviewed unless they're first round leader. So it, they're all kind of, they kind of blend into one. Not for us. We know, you know, I can tell you which one's a good putter, which one's from, went to Texas State, you know, all that kind of thing. But to the majority of the golf audience, they're, they're pretty bland. Um no pun intended. Whereas, whereas a lot of these kind of international players, you know, it, it could just give us far more flavour to a golf tournament, I think, than we used to see. No, definitely. Um, the, the other name that we haven't really mentioned, and I, I do think it's worth a mention here, is Mr. Ian Poulter. Um, has been rumoured again, another player that's rumoured to come and play this tour. Mm. Uh, but does this affect his Ryder Cup chances? And as being being a captain, um, and does that worry him uh, now? Yeah. Uh, he's a very passionate, we know he's a very, very passionate European player. We've seen it in Ryder Cups. We've seen what it means to him, the Ryder Cup. It brings the best out of him. I've never seen him play golf like mm -hmm. he does, like he does at the Ryder Cup. But does that bother him that it could affect the captaincy for him? Um, it's just an interesting one, I think. Yeah, it's really hard to know, isn't it? Some of the mindset factors you have to consider. I mean, another key one that we haven't talked about is Phil Mickelson, who, you know, has huge standing in the game. He has a massive legacy to protect if he if he cares about doing that. And he's kind of 
his comments have been a bit mixed and flip-flopped, but people are expecting him to turn up for this event. And um, that's a really interesting one because, you know, Philly's box office, um, he won a major last year. I wouldn't say he's, he's the player he once was, but he won a major last year. You know, he's no no chump even at 50 years old. And um, we've seen him on commentary on the PGA Tour recently. And and the guy's box office, whether he's got a, a lob wedge or a microphone in his, in his hand. So... Uh, it'll be really interesting to see a does he turn up and b um, what what does he bring to this product? Definitely, definitely. Um, just before we get out of here, we'll just briefly mention a couple of the concepts. Um, so the first one, this event, this first event is going to be played over a shotgun format. Um, I'd never heard of it. I actually had to look it up before. Um, so basically, what it means is all the golfers are going to tee off at exactly the same time on different holes around the golf course um, i just think it's wild i think it'd be fun uh but what's your thoughts on that concept uh tom yeah so it probably brings us on quite nicely to how we think live can make this a success and and yeah. this shot from start is potentially a key part of it because what a lot of kind of um golf especially betting and dfs related people are crying out for is the ability to see more shots, potentially the, uh, the ability on TV broadcast to see every shot and choose which groups you're following, etc. If Liv can deliver something like that, and I know TV rights and, and broadcast partners, etc. is something is another thing that's a bit of a mystery right now. But if they could deliver a TV product where you've got a shotgun start, you've got all the players on the course, same time, you can choose which groups to follow potentially incorporate some betting or DFS into that broadcast, then a shotgun start works brilliantly. I mean, you can, one thing that I think, again, to a casual golf fan, if you have a shotgun start, every player's on the course at the same time, and it's probably all done within four to five hours each day. So it kind of becomes almost appointment television and something you can sit down and watch beginning to end. Whereas a lot of the, PGA Tour, especially the early rounds, just kind of meanders on all day, doesn't it? You know, you yeah. sort of flick it on during the day in the background while you're working, then you might watch the the actual sky coverage at night, but the day is like 12 to 14 hours long. Um, whereas with a shotgun start, obviously, it's it's very rapid fire and, and again sort of leans into that um, idea that the, the modern audience has so many distractions that leaning into that shorter form is potentially a, a big plus here for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I think that's one of the issues with the PGA Tour at the minute. Um, I, and I certainly agree with what you said earlier. It's just we, we don't see enough of these younger players on the tour uh, sometimes. You know, you, you see your stars and it's, it's great to see someone like a, I use a Justin Thomas, for example, let's say he was like four over and, yeah, it's great to watch Justin Thomas, but I don't really want to watch him in his four over par. I'd rather, I'd rather watch like a Cameron Young who's two under par yeah. or something like that. That's what I want to see on that day. Um, and I think that's an intriguing thing, what they could do here with, with the format. Maybe they could use, set up something like like what the NFL do. They've got their own network, the NFL. Maybe Live Golf go that way. They've got their own network. And yeah, on, on the NFL network, every Sunday you have a thing called the NFL Red Zone. And basically NFL Red Zone is showing you 
every major highlight of every single game that's on that day. Yeah. So maybe we could get something like that. I don't know, but they would have to set up their own network for that. But hopefully we get a little bit more information on the TV rights and see where they're heading with that in, in that direction. Yeah. Um, and there's, Sorry, Jack. There's probably two, two key things I want to see in the next week or so is one, well, there's three, I suppose. One is the players, obviously, because we're going to see who the players are. Um, the next one is the TV setup and where they're going there. I mean, we know that the budget is virtually unlimited, so um, I'm happy to kind of hope for a lot here, I think. Um, and then the third is what they're doing in terms of, are they doing anything initially in terms of fantasy, in terms of sportsbook? Because, again, Greg Norman has talked about going after the younger audience here and, and not relying on the the silver-haired generation that the PGA taught us for a lot of their coverage. To me, the simplest way to do that is to lean into betting and fantasy. Um, if you've got a huge budget here and you want all the DFS guys who play on DraftKings every week, people like Pat Mayo, Tor Junkies, etc., who are content creators in the golf space, if you want them on board, launch fantasy and launch a million-dollar contest for your first week. Um, and and everyone who's kind of negative about this product currently, if you if you announce a prize pool for fantasy that's bigger than DraftKings has for the PGA Tour that week, you're going to see a lot of heads turning because ultimately that money is sat there for someone to win. So I'm really hoping they've gone down that line. I don't know how that kind of jives with the fact that there is Saudi money involved and and obviously. Um, betting maybe against certain beliefs, etc. So I, do, I don't know how that works, but I do think in terms of garnering initial interest, I think that's really key. And, and it also negates the issue of how good are the calibre of players we grab, because I don't care if I'm watching John Rahm or Dean Burmister if I've got money on it. I'll, I'll watch either. And I'll be as invested either way. So that that's another reason why I think, yeah, um, some kind of skin in the game approach is is critical to me. So I really hope they've gone down that route. Um, obviously, I work for a for a fantasy sports company and fan team, and and I've tried to reach out to say, is there something we can do with you here? And and I've not heard anything back on that other than we'll pass it on, which kind of makes me think they may have something in house already. Um, yeah. But we'll see. We'll certainly see. I mean, yeah, like you say, hopefully um, as a fancy player myself and a better on golf, um, that was one of the disappointing things earlier on in the season when I couldn't play DFS for the Saudi event earlier in the year. I couldn't have, a, I couldn't even have a bet anywhere. Um, it was very hard to find coverage as well. Um, hopefully within the next week, we get a bit more information on all of that and um, something as a golf fan we can enjoy. Um as for this podcast over the next couple of weeks, we're obviously preview the first event. Um, and we will know more by then as well. So we'll know the players. Um, we'll know if there's betting allowed, fantasy allowed. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll be bringing you a preview of the first event and hopefully all of the other events going forward. Um, you can find us on Twitter at We Love Golf Pod. Um, not we love golf pod. It's very, it comes off the tongue. Sorry, it's at we live golf pod. Um, 
to come and give us a follow over there, keep up to date with us. And um, who knows, might uh, drop a few articles about this as well. Once again, need more information, but hopefully we get some more information within the next week. Tom, thank you for joining me today. And um, yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks for the Centurion Golf Club First Live Golf event. Yep, exciting stuff. Uh, glad to get this underway. And uh, yeah, give us a follow at We Live Golf Pod, uh, Live being LIV. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week, hopefully with a, a list of players to talk through and a bit more info and uh, then we'll take it from there. Definitely. Cheers, guys.